This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello, hello. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. It's a pleasure as always. Alright, so full agenda this week. We're starting off with our final kind of recap from the previous week's game. I think we had a great opportunity to talk about all the exciting things from Fresno State. We could talk on and on forever about uh, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. and his amazing interception. But I'm just going to take it in an entirely different direction. I'm looking for you guys to give me complete hot takes, something fiery to take away from the Fresno game. So I'm going to turn to you first, Blake. A fiery, bold take from the Fresno State game. Um, If I had to commit to one, I would say I think the Gophers' passing offense is going to be better than their rushing offense this year. Really? Yeah. I mean, if if, if I have to commit to a bold take, I think that's it. Um, Because I think I've honestly been more impressed with the passing offense than I have with the rushing offense. Um, You know, I think part of that is the offensive line didn't look very good the first game. Um, Rodney Smith didn't have a great second game. He just looked like the kind of guy who needs – open running lanes and the offensive line while they're improving just aren't given that right now. And I think Mo, Mo Ibrahim um, definitely looks like the better of the two backs. Cause he's just able to get past um, that initial contact and just kind of barrel through guys. Um, so I, th- I think it'll eventually improve, but I think overall we'll look back and think that the passing offense is the strength of the offense because I mean, they've got so much talent at wide receiver. Like, I don't know that when they've last had a, a, a combo like um, Rashad Bateman or Tyler Johnson, even Chris Hopman Bell had probably the catch of the game um, last week. So this is a talented unit. I don't think we've actually seen like the actual depth um, of what they have at that position. Um, just we've only seen you know contributions from the top three. So I think there's a lot of potential for this passing offense. We barely even tapped into it. All right, uh, Andy, spicy take from the Fresno game. My spicy take is that, you know, we were all really excited and all the talk about the offense all year long was having Rodney Smith back and having Tyler Johnson back. And and my spicy take is that uh, the PJ Flex recruiting classes have, have taken over and they're showing and that it's going to be the sophomores by the end of the year that everybody will continually be talking about, not the seniors. Uh, Mo Ibrahim and Rashad Bateman will continue to outshine Rodney Smith and Tyler Johnson all season long and uh, Bateman will go on to be the the leading receiver in all categories for this team and and Ibrahim will go on to be the leading rusher in all categories for this team and we we will come into the year thinking that it was going to be the Smith and Johnson senior-led offense but it's really going to be the sophomores uh, Morgan, Ibrahim, and Bateman they're going to make all the difference for this team going down the stretch. I like both of those. All right. All right, so clearly this week, if we're moving on from Fresno, 
we've got Georgia Southern. Not to be confused with Georgia State, which I don't know if that happens to other people, but I've been messing those two up. No offense to Georgia Southern. There's just too many schools in Georgia that are small that play Division I uh, FBS level football. Uh, so I, I've been, I was for a while there, I was like, oh, we got the team that beat Tennessee. No, we do not have, if you're like me, that's not what happened. We're not playing the team that beat Tennessee in week one. We're playing Georgia Southern, the team that got blown out by LSU in week one. Oh, so, so we're not playing the Bulldogs? We're not playing the number two team in the country or the number three team in the country? I'm not that dumb. I mean, I, I'm pretty dumb, but not that dumb. I pay some attention to what's going on in the world. Uh, all right, so at, I, I want to give a quick shout-out to Dirty Birds 233 new commenter uh, who's a Georgia Southern fan who's kindly stopped by to give us information this week. Although uh, I, I kind of get the feeling, Blake, he, I feel like he's been cribbing on your preview. Somehow I think he hacked our, our, uh, our back-end site here, and he's been reading the work you've been doing, it feels like. Yeah, I just don't appreciate him coming in here and trying to steal my thunder. You know, I've got we, – we have a rigid schedule i got to keep. I, you know, it's under embargo until Thursday. I just don't, you know, <laughs> I don't like that. All right, so one thing that's kind of come up in the comments, and obviously, you know, Blake, you'd kind of helped me uh, be aware of it uh, before this, is, you know, we've got Georgia Southern. Everyone thinks option team. I think they tend to think very traditional triple option, the sort of thing the service academies run. So something that if you were watching Army Michigan this past weekend, you might be thinking that. Or similar to what we saw Minnesota face against Georgia Tech in the bowl game last year. But that's not exactly what Georgia Southern is running, if I, if I understand you correctly. Correct. Georgia Southern runs probably more of a modernized version of the option offense. The, the version that people think of is the triple option offense that you see at Georgia Tech and the service academies, and the reason service academies rely on that system is because they have heightened weight standards for their offensive linemen. So they're typically undersized, um, and the way to neutralize that is to have a fast developing offense. So they all like they always operate under center, um, and that that's where that dive play is killer. Because if it if you have plays that develop that quick yeah, quickly enough, the defensive line doesn't have a chance to blow up your offensive line um, and take advantage of that size. Um, where Georgia Southern is different is they operate almost exclusively out of shotgun and pistol formations. So obviously they're like, you know, four or five yards um, behind the center. Um, so it's really more of a zone read offense and it takes away kind of the, that quicker developing aspect of the triple option offense. Um, so if there is a big size disparity along the defensive and offensive lines, which if you're watching LSU, Georgia Southern, you saw and LSU consistently uh, blew up their offensive line. That's going to cause some problems. I mean, they, they do add in some wrinkles, different formations, misdirection to kind of keep defense on their toes. But um, I think as long as your linebackers play dis- disciplined and um, defensive linemen don't get blown off the ball, um, that's the biggest difference in the game. Um, and specifically Georgia Southern, um, they've got some personnel issues. I know they're, uh, they're replacing their top two leading rushers um, from last year. And then they're, the heir apparent running back, Wesley Kennedy third, who also I think um, – led them in receiving yards last year too. He was supposed to be the air apparent running back. He was ruled academically ineligible prior to the season. So um, they've had to lean heavily on a pair of sophomores, Logan Wright and Matt LaRoche, who've had sort of some middling success so far. Um, I know LSU shut them down pretty well. Uh, also, their starting quarterback, um, Shea Wirtz, coming into the season, went down against LSU with a shoulder injury and actually um, did not play last week. 
um, in their victory over Maine. The quarterback was redshirt freshman Justin Tomlin. Um, And while they did rack up, I think, 395 rushing yards against Maine, they had to settle for four field goals, only scored two touchdowns, and the final score is 26-18. It was actually a pretty relatively close game towards the end in the fourth quarter just because their offense stalled in the red zone. So, I mean, this is an offense, too, that mustered, you know, 74 rushing yards and a field goal in the opener at LSU. So um, it's a far cry um, from the offense that they were running last year that was averaging, you know, 266.2 yards per game, which is a top-10 rushing offense. So um, not exactly a high-powered attack at this point in the season that the Gophers will be facing on Saturday. Does the shift in style in terms of the kind of option formation they're running out of, do they pass the ball more, or is this still a very much almost exclusively run kind of offense? Yeah, they really don't pass um, very much at all. I think uh, they had maybe nine pass attempts last week, 11 pass attempts against LSU, so they're not going to throw more than a handful of times a game. They're going to run almost exclusively. So basically they kind of face the same drawback of any option offense where if you stay on schedule and you're moving the ball you can chew clock uh and you can you know if you're scoring points you can keep with somebody or obviously if your defense is holding them get ahead uh but if you fall behind you're facing the problem of not necessarily being able to catch up quickly unless you're breaking chunk plays right yeah this like against lsu LS, that game was over by halftime just because lsu was just ripping off these chunk plays and they they pretty much smothered Georgia's on an offense, so if this is the, if this is the type of team that if you build a big lead or big lead early um, and just keep your foot on the pedal, I mean it's it's over. All right, so against Fresno, the Gophers honestly had several good looking drives and had several promising looking drives where they would then shoot themselves in the foot offensively uh, through some you know fumble or something else, uh, penalty, etc. And you know would find themselves not scoring points. Um, I, I you know it really felt like a game where if the Gophers had not continued to cause themselves difficulties, they could have scored more points. In addition to also obviously some of the egregious uh, mistakes that allowed Fresno to continue drives and score points. If Minnesota has a smoother offensive game, are they going to struggle to score points against? Georgia Southern's defense, or is this a situation where if the Gophers execute like we've they've shown they are capable of, that they should be able to to build a comfortable lead? I, I think they should be able to have success. To me, it's an intriguing matchup um, because uh, this will be an opportunity for Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Chris Hutton Bell, and you know Tanner Morgan um, to face a defense that really hasn't had much success um, defending the pass. Um, LSU's quarterback Joe Burrow that first week was actually 23 of 27. He had more touchdown passes than incompletions. I think he, he finished with like 278 yards and five touchdowns. Um, and he completed, he and his backup quarterback completed pass, at least one pass to 14 different receivers. Um, but the, also, that's, they were, had a kind of a new look offense. It was more of an up tempo, no, no huddle style, which obviously Minnesota is not going to do. Um, but I do think Minnesota has, has the receiving core to spread them out and really sling it. So I think it's an opportunity for Tanner Morgan to kind of get in a rhythm in the passing game, um, which I can't say he's, he's done to this point. Um, he had, you know, good numbers by the end of it last week, but it was a very peaks and valley game for him. Um, and they, they do have two really good corners. Um, they're senior starting quarterbacks, Monquavian Brinson and Kendall Vilder. Um, but they are replacing two um, senior safeties from a season ago, including um, Josh Moon, who was their leading tackler and, uh, 
I also think a lot of the problem them, for them, too, is a lack of a pass rush. Um, they weren't able to get any sacks against um, LSU, and they only got two sacks um, last week against Maine. Um, and they did lose their sack leader at um, defensive end Logan Hunt um, from last season, so it seems like they're having to replace a lot up front. Um, the other intriguing aspect of this, too, is they've actually been pretty solid against the run. Um, LSU only had 122 rushing yards. Maine only had 52. Um and they, I, this is a pretty the defense is pretty good at getting in the backfield um, on running on running plays and kind of being disruptive. Um, they have ten tackles for loss so far this season. And just to give you a point of comparison, uh, Minnesota's allowed thirteen tackles for loss the first two games. Um, so this is this is a game too. I think if the Gophers are going to have success on the ground, it's going to be a lot of Mohamed Ibrahim, unless the offense is open up you know more running lanes for Rodney Smith. But I think if they need a back, he's going to turn out yards against a tough defensive front it's going to be Ibrahim whose running style kind of fits that um that mold more so I think there is an opportunity for a lot of success in offense here and I just I think it's a good opportunity for to see what Tanner Morgan can do when he's comfortable when he's facing a secondary that's probably not as good as the two he's faced previously so at this point I feel like you know predictions uh we definitely need to kind of predict what we think is going to happen Andy, I'm going to start with you. What uh, If you had to give score, kind of some general thoughts, what do you see for Saturday? Yeah, you know, I think as, as uh, Blake was saying, I think the Gophers should, in theory, have a bit more success um, offensively against this team than, than we've seen so far. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen them shut down the run at most times this year, so the hope, I think, is that they'll actually be able to uh, to play tight defense against a team that they should, you know, pretty much uh, outplay. But then again, we thought we'd see that that week one as well. And it is a full moon Friday night, so, you know, anything could happen. That's all I'm just going to say. But um, I, I think... Oh, 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 God, it's Friday the 13th. It's, yeah, it's a full moon and Friday the 13th. So, oh, no. You know, um, so just began, I guess, we're playing on Saturday and not Friday. Thanks, Delaney. Um, oh. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, let's, uh, let's ignore that I just did that. Yeah, but uh, I, I think Minnesota should be able to to handle Georgia Southern relatively easily. Um, you know, I, I think the passing game, as as Blake said, should uh, hopefully continue to click. Hopefully, we can get some running and and grind out some clock in the second half. I've got a thirty four ten go for win on Saturday, and it should be a a gorgeous day uh, at TCF Bank Stadium. So hopefully uh, it should be a packed house to, to watch Minnesota go 3-0 in the non-conference. Blake, what's uh, what's your prediction? You know, I'm not real high on Georgia Southern. I honestly think this will – I hate to say they're weakest, but I think it's of the three, this is their weakest non-conference opponent. I still think that they're a good team. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. I think they've had some struggles this year. I do think this is a game that Minnesota should win. Um, and just for context, too, Georgia Southern, I think – has only beaten one Power Five program in the last decade, and that was a you know a Will Muschamp coach Florida team in 2013 that finished the season with like seven straight losses, including a loss to Georgia Southern. So, I don't see Minnesota in the midst of that kind of season. So, I do think in the end Minnesota comes out on top, score somewhere around 31-13, but I'm sure it'll be closer than any of us um, are comfortable with. I'm ready for the Gophers to clean up the stupid. Um, I'm, I'm tired of hearing an announcer say least penalized team and then watching us get a stupid penalty. So I think this is the week they clean that up. 
uh, and they cruise to a fairly comfortable 38-17 win. So that's uh, that's what I've got. But before we can all enjoy what will hopefully be a, a good win on Saturday, many of you are going to have to get to the game. And it sounds like that actually might be more problematic than you might think. So I'm going to turn back to our eye in the sky, go for guy 05, to explain some potential traffic woes that you should all be aware of. A little PSA here. Yeah, I'm sure you'll uh, see it be pushed out by the U here as we get closer to game day as well, but it's going to be a, a bit of a cluster trying to get into TCF Bank Stadium on Saturday. Uh, MnDOT is doing their best to try and get things, everything buttoned up before the winter season. Last week, if many of you who live in the Twin Cities may remember, uh, I-94 was closed between 280 and downtown St. Paul. Well, that project's done, but now we're moving back to the 35W cluster. Um, so... Northbound 35W is going to be closed between Highway 62 and 94 starting at 10 p.m. Friday night through noon on Saturday. So if you are a late arrival to the game, you might be able to get there via 35W. Um, But it's going to be closed, 35W is going to be closed in both directions between 94 and 280 all weekend long. Uh, They stressed that the ramp from 35W going north on 35 from University 4th Street will be open, but it sounds like going south, it will be closed. So your best bet is to uh, try and come in from the east or the west on 94 or take some side streets in because it sounds like 35W is going to be a bit of a cluster on Saturday afternoon. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Eye in the Sky, Go for Guy 05. Uh, Another exciting thing that I think had sort of slipped my mind um, until uh, Bleak and Andy reminded me uh, earlier today, but it's actually Thursday is the 10th anniversary of the first game at TCF Bank Stadium. September 12th, 2009 was when uh, the Gophers kicked off their very first game against Air Force in TCF Bank Stadium. And in that spirit, I'm kind of interested in hearing kind of a favorite TCF uh, memory from from each of you guys um, could be anything. Could be from that first game. Could just be a favorite moment. Doesn't even have to be from during a game. Could be just something else. But Andy, I'll, I'll start with you. What's your favorite TCF Bank Stadium memory? Oh man, there there's several of them. Um, you know, you've got you've got several memorable Iowa games. Um, twenty ten and twenty eleven and uh, twenty fourteen. Being, oh, 2014. Magical 2014. That was a fun one. Um, re- relaying to you the uh, the 2010 <laughs> finish on the phone as you were in a outlet mall in rural Ohio. That was uh, magic. That one, that one was fun. Uh, of course, the Air Force game was, was a classic, but I think the most fun and the most memorable time uh, I've had in TCF Bank Stadium has got to be Halloween night. 2009 um i've never heard a crowd boo that loudly that long in unison at the officials as they just absolutely were making some terrible calls in the against the gophers in 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 favor of michigan state that halloween night um but Minnesota pulled off the win over Kirk cousins and the spartans on the duan bennett immaculate reception uh, bouncing off of, I think it was Nate Tau Arnett, and Bennett picked off it off the hop and went in to score the game-winning touchdown. 
Gophers knock off the Spartans Halloween night. It was uh, it was a heck of a party at TCF that night. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever forgive myself for missing that one. If if I'm honest, that was. I mean, it was a fun game to watch, but I, it would have been magic to be in the stadium for that one. Uh, Blake, how about you? What's your favorite TCF Bank Stadium memory? Uh, you know, I've only been to a handful of games at, at um, the bank, and I, I specifically avoid um, Iowa games just because if I'm in attendance, Minnesota will lose. The only Iowa-Minnesota games I've been to, Minnesota's lost, and I just I can't stand the Hawkeyes. So I, I take one for the team. I don't go. Uh, in hopes that that'll tip things in the balance of the Gophers, but you know, hasn't worked out um, in recent history. Fingers crossed for this year. Um, but honestly, my this is going to be a strange one. My my funniest memory from TCF Bank Stadium was um, I went to the Rutgers game with my dad. I think it was twenty sixteen. It was Clay's first season, um, and they were up. I think they got up pretty big in the first half, like twenty one to three or something. Um, <laughs> and then Rutgers just started to creep back. Minnesota kept making mistakes. And honestly, like, um, just in the stands, I just started, like, laughing to myself. And my dad's like, what's so funny? I was like, oh, they're going to blow this. They're going to blow this. And just, like, with every, like, Rutgers touchdown, it's one of those things if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. And I was just like, this is just kind of hilarious to me. Like, I get to see my first um, go for claps up front, up and close and in person. Um, and eventually they did, pull, they did pull it out. But, um I just kept telling, like, I think by the third quarter, for the third or fourth quarter, I just kept, kept telling my dad, you know, we could be witnessing history here. This could be one of the worst losses in program history. Because Rutgers was bad that year. Um, but, I don't know, I just got some sick amusement out of that. And just it, it was just fun enjoying that game um, in my own perverse way. You may have summarized the Minnesota sports experience. <laughs> Joy and humor from horribleness. I don't. I can't think of anything more on brand for a Minnesota sports fan. Honestly, that's just that's just the way we're programmed now. It's the way we're conditioned. That's how we have to survive. We need to get you up for something better than that. That we can't let that remain your best TCF Bank Stadium memory. Well, I've seen I've seen some. I mean, I've seen some good games. I saw you know Oregon, the Oregon State opener for Clay's. Um, I have I've also yeah I've seen a fair share of bad games, but uh, yeah, I need to get back up there. Hopefully. When PJ's got this turned around and we're pretty competitive, I can make it up there for a couple games. Gotta stop living in the land of uh, no scooters, man. Get, get yourself get yourself a scooter and get up here. Get, get up there because it's not like I'm living there either. But I gotta get that scooter, man. I don't I don't know what the time would be a time travel time. <laughs> I know you gotta charge those scooters too. They don't those batteries don't last that long. So. I mean, they they move pretty good. I think you get about twenty miles an hour out of it. So. If you see, you know. if you see me going, you know, I eighty, I'll be on the side of the road with that scooter. I'll probably have like a, a remote <laughs> battery pack with me, charging it. Uh, I I could choose a couple different football memories, but I actually think two of my favorite memories uh, are actually just uh, Andy and I got the opportunity to take a, a tour before the the stadium was completed. That I think was honestly one of my favorite things because at that point. You'd been waiting so long for it to happen, and it wasn't there yet, but imagining what that stadium could be and then ultimately having the stadium very much live up, I think, to what my hopes and dreams for it were, that was a really cool experience um, to kind of take a a behind-the-scenes hard hat look at how things were coming together. And uh, It actually took a number of years. It took until, Andy, what, two years ago? 
until I got a chance to tour with you after it was actually a, a full stadium? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so it took, I mean, honestly, it took eight years, no, almost nine years between when it was being constructed to when I was able to uh, see it finished. Like, obviously, I've been in the stadium many times since it was finished, but the behind-the-scenes spaces, I had not been in the locker room, for example, uh, since the locker room was completed. I'd only seen the, the very rough... Uh, beginnings of the locker room um, that was a real cool kind of bookend for me to in inside that first decade to see it before it was there and then get to see it completed and I as a as a gopher fan um, if you're a season ticket holder and you have not taken advantage of the TCF Bank Stadium tour as part of your gopher points because that's one of the easy gopher points things to do I would recommend it personally um, it's just, I don't know. I think it's really fun to get to see the little details uh, in and around the stadium from a different perspective. So if you haven't done that, I would I would certainly recommend it. I don't know. Any other final happy, happy memories from uh, the first decade, TCF? Well, I mean, we can think of plenty of heartbreaking memories from the first decade of TCF to fit along with our, you know, Minnesota identity. Let's not, though. Let, let's not do that. Let's Let's... Let's move on. <laughs> if that's the direction we're going to go, let's move on. I mean, I think there's there's been a lot of like exciting games. I'm just I think what we're all looking forward to is like a lot of meaning, more meaningful games. You know, if if PJ gets this in the direction he wants to go, like you know the Halloween Michigan State game was great. Iowa, you know, fifty one fourteen was great. Um, I think it's just going to be cool if we get to the point where like you know we we're playing for something meaningful where, you know, we're competing with the top teams in the Big Ten. I think, I think so. I think that's something that's exciting if we see, you know, flex fl- plan come to fruition is just, you know, more meaningful games as opposed to just the occasional, you know, fun, competitive game. Um, I know that's something that I'm just personally looking forward to. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to my first Axe game in TCF where Minnesota wins the Axe. That would be a big deal to me, for sure. Yeah, no, there. I mean, there are several memorable ones. The uh, the initial chair game against Nebraska, that one was was, was great. <laughs> okay, that was memorable for you. Some of us have problems yeah, recalling well, that game. Yeah, the uh, the AJ Barker goes off game against Purdue. That was a uh, that <gasps> the was sluggo a, game. Uh huh. That was a fun. That was a fun one. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think there's there, there's definitely been some. I mean. TCU was a memorable one in Ohio State uh, that year. What was that? Was that 2015 Ohio State? Uh, no, that was 2014. That was 2014. Because I, I just moved to Cincinnati. Wait, that, yeah. was the, that was the Dilly Bardan game, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so that was the Dilly, Dilly Bardan. That, you know, so those, even though they were close losses, both are, are memorable for multiple reasons. So, uh, yeah, you know, we can we can only hope that uh, we jack up the winning percentage a little bit for the, uh, the second decade and see if we can pull off some more uh, nice big wins here. I agree. All right, so we're going to get a little bit of a volleyball update from Andy. Also, our special rando mystery question of the week coming up right after the words from these sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Volleyball had been kind of having an up and down run. 
recently, but they recently closed out strong uh, against Florida. Andy, you just want to give us a quick recap of what's been going on with volleyball? Yeah, the Gophers opened up uh, the PAV, their home season, Saturday night against number 7 Florida. The Gophers ranked number 8th in the country, and they got things turned around. Uh, they ended up coming through with a big 3-0 sweep of the Gators. Um, you know, they they finally got their passing figured out and, and stopped making unforced errors. Uh, Stephanie Samdy had a double-double, 16 kills, 12 digs. Uh, Kylie Miller registered 36 assists and an ace and was named the Big Ten setter of the week. Uh, the transfer from UCLA trying to step into uh, Seeliger Swenson's footsteps and, and doing the best she can. Um, but the Gophers have the toughest non-conference schedule in the country for a reason, and it doesn't get any easier. Uh, they head out west this weekend to the uh, Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge where they'll play uh, number 10 Oregon in a bit of a revenge game. If you remember, the Ducks knocked off the Gophers twice last year, including knocking them out of the uh, NCAA tournament on their home court in the Sweet 16. Uh, They play number 10 Oregon Friday and then get a date at number 1 Stanford, the defending national champions, uh, the Gophers, and the Cardinal will face off Saturday evening. So uh, two more really, really tough games for the Gophers before they uh, they come home for a couple easy non-conference games before the Big Ten starts. So um, I think it would be, uh, be good if Minnesota could at least try and get a, a split this weekend. But, uh, you know, I think we'll get another better look and see if they've, if they've figured out some of their woes or whether they're, uh, you know, it's one of those seasons that's going to be good but not great. All right, random question time. I've been just thinking about this today. I've been, I got, I got, found myself sort of sucked into puppy Twitter. Cute videos of cute puppies on Twitter. It happens to the best of us. That's where I ended up for a brief period today. And it got me thinking Major League Baseball parks across the country have bark in the park nights where fans can come with their dogs, usually for a certain section of the stadium. Uh, kind of reserved for the puppy friends. And my question to y'all is, should dogs be allowed in TCF Bank Stadium? I mean, probably not generally. There are obviously logistical concerns to doing that every week. But should we at least get ourselves a bark in the, well, I guess it's not a park, but some of the, something that rhymes in a puppy way for TCF Bank Stadium? And Blake, I believe you have some fairly strong feelings on this. I, I hesitate to say strong. And, you know, let me be clear. I have a dog. I love my dog. I love dogs in general. Um, but I do have a lot of empathy for stadium staff and, like, event staff. And I know a lot of people that well, – I have a lot of friends that work in those positions. And just the logistical nightmare of a stadium full of dogs, you know, just gives me anxiety not even being in those positions. Um, just, you know, clean up um, security. You know, like, what if a dog gets – what if another dog or a dog, you know, bites someone at the stadium? Because, um, you know, it's kind of like um, – to me, it's not like driving. Like you, you may be the best driver, but is you know someone else? You know, on that, who you don't know who else on the road and what quality of drivers they are. You know, same thing applies to dog owners. You know, they're responsible dog owners or not so responsible dog owners. So, um, not every dog can be on their best behavior. I just think, um, in this case, there there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. And as much as I love the sight of you know dogs, you know, playing with each other and just being friendly. Um, I, I just the stadium full of them. I don't think is probably the best idea. Counterpoint: I get to pet them. That's a fair. I mean, that's a fair point. Like, uh, most of my counterpoints involve something like, "But they're cuddly," 
or they're good. They're all good dogs, Blake. Yeah, I've yeah, I've met some not so good dogs. I will say that. <laughs> Those dogs don't come to bark in the park. You never. I, you actually, ne- I, I'm not sure. I'm just saying that out loud because I want it to be true. Here's my argument for no. We've all seen multiple dogs chase squirrels. I'm sure they do the exact same thing to a gopher. So damn, you know, damn. Ju- just just in safety, I think we keep the dogs away. Unless it's the bulldogs, in which case, then you know, whatever. But uh, otherwise, I think we we keep the dogs away from the uh, the gopher population. Wow, Andy. Counterpoint. Andy with the killer oh. argument. No, see, I, I think counterpoint. Goldie is a fantastic joke mascot for joking around. Nobody goofs off better than Goldie. I believe Goldie could turn any potential puppy attack into something worthy of the best YouTube video ever. I don't, I don't know about. I'm not gonna. There's no. There's no way you're gonna convince me I'm wrong. Is basically where I'm going with this. That's fine. Yeah, you can be obstinate. That's that's your prerogative. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I do like the use of obstinate. If this was if this was around the horn, you would have gotten like five little points from me for the use of obstinate alone. Yeah, I know words. So. I know words, man. Uh, I believe if U Street was here, he would back me, which puts us in a two-two tie. Since I am taller than everyone, the dogs win. Please go for sports. Uh, the go for athletic department work on you've you've come up with all sorts of other creative ways, and I applaud you for increasing attendance. Pick some worthless home game in the future against some nobody we don't care about. Illinois. And make it and make it. And <laughs> sorry, I meant sorry, I meant Liddyville. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. Uh, don't believe us though, because it's fake. Bark in the park against Illinois. That's what we want. Make it happen. Go for sports. Um, and on that uh, very lit note, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat.